Well, hello there. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm 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 here. I know our time may not be as much in abundance as possible, but every syllable that you share has weight. And I'm just glad to be back on the line with you. It's been a while, but you know, life takes over and we have things to do. But as much as we can, like I say, it's an honor and a blessing. Ms. B.L. Carter to be able to talk Ms. to you. B.L. Carter. Yep, well, it's good <laughs> to hear from you too. Yeah, we've been kind of, you know, life does what life does. And then you've got to regroup. Sometimes it's, it's not in agreement with your personal plan. So you've exactly. kind of roll with it. Exactly. exactly. But I think where were we? we were talking pretty much about these churches and their, mm-hmm. their um, just need to control every aspect of life. What a vast topic that is. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's vast. I mean, you, you know how many um, umbrellas we can pull off of that? Just mm-hmm. <clears throat> all kinds of directions. But I guess to, and, and I don't have a lot of time today. We've already talked right. about that. But right. uh, You control that. I, you control I, when it ends. Okay? So no rush. I, I think I want to begin with, because um, as I've played things over, um, one word of advice I would give to people is just listen to your pastor. Mm-hmm. And let me clarify that. Um, when your pastor is in the pulpit speaking, listen to what he says and what he doesn't say. And when you're listening to what he says, listen to the words that he's using to say it. Mm-hmm. And I say that because um, in my experiences here afterwards, I can put it all together. But I know for the years that we were there, there would be um, constant references to sex. And he'd be in the pulpit and something would cross his mind. And next, you know, he'd blurt out into a song and that has kind of sexual overtones or whatever. And he, you know, some people would reel him back in or he'd reel himself back in. Mm-hmm. Grooming people. And so over time, um, what I just determined was that he had not maintained control over that level of, of his flesh, if you will. You know, Paul tells us in the Bible that, you know, we're to die to our flesh every day, et cetera, et cetera. And um, and I know there's a move amongst a lot of women and, and some men to just remain celibate until they're married or until they're in, just spiritually ready to open themselves up. And um, actually, that's where I was. And so to hear uh, oftentimes comments about sex or if there's a newly married couple kind of spending too much time on how was the honeymoon and things like that from the pulpit now. We're not talking private conversation. We're all sitting around, you know, having a hot dog at somebody's house right. or in the pulpit. Right. And so those are concerns I would share with people. That's the type of stuff you want to pay attention to. Make a mental note um, and then make that list short. So, you know, don't get the list too, too long before you decide to take whatever appropriate action works for you and your family. But in our case, um, uh, the need to to control the sex in our household for sure, and and I know at least two other couples, and I'm not going to share the couple's names because I know I don't have permission to discuss it to that level, but I do know there was one couple that um, I know she shared with me that this particular senior pastor was questioning the sex in their marriage. And she felt very uncomfortable about it. And she kind of felt like, you know, this is not even his business. Why is he asking me that? Now, she said she didn't go to him uh, saying, hey, this this is an issue. We need counseling. Can you help us? Right. He That's what brought I was the thinking. subject up to her. 
No, wow. no, it wasn't kind of one of those things. He brought it up. Right. And, um, you know, I, I kind of, at the time, um, I had not seen the pattern of the marriage situations. So I just dismissed it as a one-time situation. And, you know, he knew more about their history than I did. And so I just, you know, kind of let her vent and left it. But then there was another couple. And I remember uh, I talked with both the male and the female on two different occasions. And the male, actually, who's, who approached me first about it and wanted to get my take on what do you do, how do you handle when the pastor is questioning your physiological responses to this woman. When he's asking when you're around her and she's wearing X, Y, Z, how, how hard do you get type of thing. Wow. Or asking the going to the female asking her when you're around him and y'all are making out you know how wet do you get stuff like wait, that wait 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 and so let, let me clarify something i'm sorry to cut your flow wait a second this is a male pastor approaching the wife asking her how wet she got asking the husband how hard he got wait a second did they ever go to him? Is this guy some type of licensed therapist that they have an ongoing dialogue and they gave him permission to ask these things? You mean this is just a mere pastor who they didn't mention this at all or that aspect of their life and he's going to them? Totally inappropriate. My understanding was that he was helping to determine their compatibility uh, in that area. But I also, it was made very clear to me that they were both uncomfortable. Now, the male tried to answer his question, like, indirectly or vaguely. But the female, she said she just, by the line, told that's none of your damn business. And, you know, kind of, she shot him down real quick. Hallelujah. But that's the type of stuff that goes on. And so, and, and for the record, he does have a background in psychology. Um, as well as he's a retired military person. I forget the rank or whatever. That makes so he has a background in, in, in ability to manipulate and to put on a straight face when, you know, all hell is breaking loose, so to speak. Um, but in my particular marriage, I know sex was an issue um, as far as the church goes. Now, obviously, you wouldn't marry someone yet, and I'll just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we tried the goods before to do, you know. I mean, it, you're not going to spend 50 years and the good thing working. <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> we, you know, we had to confirm that that was an area that we were compatible in. And, um, and we did a courtship. We did, you know, the dating. We did the exclusive dating. We did the courtship phase, did the engagement, and we did, it was progressive, and so at each phase, we, our questions became more detailed and more in-depth. And so we clearly discussed the sex part, um, the do's, the don'ts, the likes, the non-likes, all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, we had to kind of test some things out ahead of time. And uh, so that was never an issue in the relationship as far as frequency, uh, spice, um you know, whatever, uh, getting the other one's attention right. didn't take Dynamic. much. We knew how to, how to kind of look as time, do what you got to do and get mm -hmm. your butt in, you know, you're behind in here and do, exactly. uh, we didn't have those kinds of issues. But what I noticed, and again, a lot of this started after 
Well, it started kind of before the church knew we were actually married, but they found out we were married after he had his wreck and he's in the middle of sitting on a multi-million dollar lawsuit. So um, they started questioning our intimacy uh, besides the fact of keeping him so busy or keeping the two couples, the, the two persons so busy to where the intimacy time is, is broken, if you will, um, so worn out to where when you do get home, you're tired. You, you, you're not thinking on that level. You're thinking right. of get a shower, grab something to eat and go to bed. Um, and this is by design. It, it is strategic by design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we encountered that. We encountered on more than one occasion, I remember my husband saying to me, you know, uh, you know, she can see us. And this is, he was at that, that time he was referencing the, the second pastor, um, female, female pastor. And I'm like, you know what? We grown, we married and she finna get a show. So yeah, I tell the whole world I gave her a show. If she was watching at that moment, she got a show. <laughs> um, yeah, you laugh. That's my brother said. Well, there was nothing um, unbiblical, nothing inappropriate about it. We have every right to do what we choose to do inside the covenant of our marriage. That's right. And so if you want to practice some witchcraft or astral projection or whatever methods Mm -hmm. you were using to look into our home, Mm -hmm. then you see what you see. Then the old folk tell you eavesdropping don't hear nothing good. Well, (laughs) Astral projected don't see nothing good. You That's know, right. I mean, really. Just wa- wa- watch so, us and get mad about what you're not doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Or get mad that he's doing it with me. Ah. Um, mm, that that was the key. The key wasn't because, you know, she's not married. She has not been married the whole time I was there. But it was really a matter to get me away from him so that they could influence his mind to have access to the money that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um. And then there were other times when, you know, I might be initiating. He said, no, uh-uh, they can see us. Okay. And I remember he said it in such a way as if he'd get in trouble if he did. And I questioned it one time. I'm like, well, who cares? That, that's he not said, well, good. yeah, you're right. We're married. Who cares? Mm-hmm. It was as if he had to have permission from them to be intimate with me. And this was never an issue, but it, you know, became an issue toward the the end of the time that he was in the home. We're still married, but he's not in the home now. Right. Um, and so as I thought back on all of that, that just helped me to to see the influence, the mental influence that was being put over him to help break the bond, break the intimacy, to help create a division in the household because they had an objective. And the objective is to keep control over him to continue to use him, his resources, the money, our nice new truck, and all the other stuff, whatever. Um, but I, I say all that to say, bottom line, um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's biblical. So if you've got someone constantly referencing sex, if you've got someone who's making um, sexual innuendos, uh, questioning sex to people who you really have no business questioning, those should be things that we pay attention to. Um, in addition to the fact that, you know, there, there are the rumors that go on. Um, there was, I think I shared once before about the, the female who 
um, had alleged that he, the senior male had approached her in an inappropriate way, and she was forced to sit there in it for a while, and then finally she was asked to leave. Um, and so it's it's. I'm just I'm 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 floored actually that people of this stature are still at a point where they feel they can control down to the level of your intimacy with your spouse, or it doesn't have to be your spouse. If you guys are living together, or you're just you know if it's your your partner, right? Um, and I personally don't agree with the the homosexual lifestyle, but if that's what you choose to do. Your their responsibility, and I believe my responsibility is to say, biblically speaking, or um, anatomically speaking, this mm-hmm. is why you shouldn't. But right. that doesn't change my love for you. Right. That doesn't right. say um, you no longer my cousin or my brother or whatever it is because you choose to do this. I just request that you respect me and you know put on a um what a, a professional appearance so to speak when you're around me or around the children because we definitely don't want to get the kids confused exactly um but that doesn't mean we get to go in and say okay well how do you do it and you know if, mm-hmm. if it's two men um right. you know how does it feel and and how do you get the same enjoyment as with a mm-hmm. woman and that sort of stuff that, that that's inappropriate mm-hmm. um it's inappropriate to question whether tools are being used or not um, and I can't say for sure which couple I was not never asked this, but I know this was brought up from the pulpit about uh one particular couple who was using tools, and I think she had and I'm just relaying what was shared. she had indicated that um she needed tools to kind of get her to that final point, and um he decided that something was wrong with her. Because her husband should have been able to um, satisfy her. And if he couldn't, then she needed to work on whatever was going on with her mind and get rid of those demons because the demons had her to where she needed a machine instead of her husband. Yes. The more I thought about that, I'm like, well, yeah, I can see that. But then I can also see on the other side, a man, hmm, no matter what tools he's working with, and this is my personal belief. No matter what tools he's working with, you have to know how to use your tools, period. Everyone's got a different set. Exactly. And so if you get into the mind of your wife the way you need to, I mean, sex her, caress her, rub her mind, rub her body, rub everything else about her. It doesn't matter if you came with the smallest screwdriver in the daggone pack. (laughs) There you go. Good good work. You you know, you're going to be able to do what you need to do. (laughs) You'll get the job done. That's right. Exactly. Um, So, you know, whatever tools you're working with, you have to implore some other or, or, yeah, uh, yeah, implore some other methods to help make your little bitty screwdriver like Mm -hmm. it's the great big old monkey wrench in the pack, you know? Deal with the the deck that you've been dealt in life and maximize it and, and stop being so insecure to wonder what the next man has or doesn't have or what he can do and what he can't do. Be confident in yourself. Know that this woman loves you for you. She probably already know the little screwdriver you had. So don't worry about the rest. Just focus on her work on her mind. Like you said, wonderful advice. And I wish more people would would take it. Now these pastors 
seek out to find out where your insecurities are. See, you can have the little mm-hmm. screwdriver, but if you're insecure about it, they can plant a seed in that wife and come between you. It's just like the mosquito exactly. trying to find the hole in the net. They keep trying, they keep trying because they know there's a little crack in the armor, there's a hole in that net so they can get to you and bite you up in the middle of the night. And it's 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 sad. It's really sad because again, you're using sex as a um, which is supposed to be a private thing. And in the sanctity of marriage and covenant, as the Bible teaches us and pretty much every other religion teaches us, if husband and wife are married, then his body is hers, her body is his. And what they do is it's it, it's okay, it's um approved, all that other good stuff. So there is nowhere on this green earth, brown, whatever color it is, because we're getting into fall, that you would convince me that God would put a pastor, an associate pastor, or anybody else into the bedroom of a married couple unless they went to him for advice. That's not God. God didn't come to you and say, hey, pastor, go ask him how uh, how, uh, how hard he gets when he's around his wife. Go ask her. Um, does she give him blowjobs? Go ask, you know, what positions do they use? How are they spicing things up? That That's inappropriate. That's way out of line. Um, and he's sure not going to give you visions of it. Like I said before, you know, God gives us visions, but the devil gives us visions too. So just because you see in a vision doesn't mean it comes from God. And God is not going to give you a vision of a married couple in covenant uh, in in, a, in his approval, while they're they're in their intimate times, that just I, I can't even believe that. There's no way on this earth that you would ever convince me to believe that, especially when his word says, "Leave and cleave." So you leave mother, father, everyone, and everything else, and you cleave unto your spouse. So if you're, and then you make him the third cord in the braid, which is more difficult to unravel, if you will, than a, just a two twist. So. If he's the third cord and you're leaving and cleaving everyone else, why would he turn around and inject someone into that part of your marriage and say it's biblical or say it's godly? Not. Um, but just to, to touch her really quickly, because I, you know what, I caught myself making an outline because you know I can flow for hours and hours. So I had to limit this. And, and, um, and you know, on that level, I love it. I love it. And, and we do have to still do some of those sometimes, but. I know because of the time constraints right now and today, and let's make it a better segment, but I can roll with you. Trust me. I really love your flow. (laughs) Um, With my husband and I, like I said, the acts started becoming an issue. Again, we discussed all the sex stuff ahead of time. Um, And so then it became a matter of, does she do this? Does she do that? Uh, And we're not talking the regular and I shouldn't say regular, but, you know, the regular stuff that everybody does. We're right. talking more um, porn kind of stuff that you would you would see in a porn movie or, or, or somewhere else. You wouldn't normally right. see the stuff that you just normal in America. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, we established what my boundaries were. Right. So obviously the answer is going to be a no. Mm-hmm. And so then that becomes, OK, well, she might not be the right one for you because you need someone who's going to do these things. Add some spice. So you're implanting these thoughts in his head. Now, again, remember, my Mm -hmm. husband's got this brain injury. He still has a big old clot on his brain. Mm -hmm. And so he's very vulnerable at this point. 
he his ability to think and strategize and rationalize far out is limited right now. So they got him when he was in a deficit, if you will. Um, and then, of course, the frequency changed. And that, again, becomes the fault of the wife, this particular wife, um, knowing you had an impact in the change of the frequency because you're pulling him extra hours, you're taking away from family time, y'all are calling morning, noon, and night. And I'll just, you know, go ahead and share. We we would um, we would start our day before we left the house with happy endings. I think that's mm-hmm. what they're calling them these days. Yes, and that yes. was a, a routine thing. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts. Our days pretty much started happy. And so, but if you've got someone calling you at six o'clock in the morning, you interrupting our happy ending time. You know, we already got to get the kids to school and get to work or whatever, and, and right. you're interrupting the time. But what's so urgent that they have to call you at that particular time? I I don't understand. uh, Someone may need to go to the bank. Uh, Someone's car is having issues. Someone's having plumbing issues. The pastor may need a ride to the airport. Uh, Those kinds of things that technically you can just send a text and we get back to you when we can. Um, And so eventually that's what, you know, when I fussed a little bit, he eventually started doing that. Just, you know, or turn the phone off or whatever the case may be, but after it took a while to see the pattern that was going on. Um, and he didn't initially see it, remember, because his brain's a little off right now. Mine is not so off, so I'm seeing it more hit more more quickly than he is. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute now, we're starting to see a trend here. Um, but again, remember, they're supposedly watching us in the spirit. And so whenever we would get to those times, there would be these interruptions. Uh, if we were lucky to get rid of the kids, and I shouldn't say it like that, but yeah, get rid of the kids overnight or late night for some event they're going to. Hey, there's nobody in the house but me, you, and the animals. It's our time. You know, we're not limited to one room at this point. We got the whole run of the house. Sure enough, there would be a call. There would be some sort of interruption or whatever the case may be. And so, um, and they knew very clearly what they were doing. Um and just the, the the constant, like I said, the, with the calls in the morning and then the calls in the evening when he'd come home from work, somebody from that church is the last person he talked to before he walked into the garage. And he would come in with attitude. And mm. so you walk in there with attitude, and I'm like, well, hold on, wait a minute. I ain't trying to be loving all over you. What, what, what's going on? And so by the time we get through that, and you've got to kind of fight through that wall of attitude to kind of bring him back to where we are, it's like, oh, okay, all right. And then you, and then the day starts all over again, and so that kind of gets old after a while. I'm right. just being honest with you, it gets old, and and at this point, well, at some point, eventually, I'm getting worn down just from playing the mind games of undoing each day. At the end of the day, whatever they've put into him during the course of the day, um, as well as just you know maintaining everything because again, he's not up to. To, to back it himself. We went through the recovery from the accident and all that kind of stuff. And we're, you know, just kind of getting him back to where he needs to be. And it is a heavy load for one person to have to carry. And so frequency decreases. Um, and then I found we're keeping tabs on my cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, the person didn't even realize they were sharing it because people would call me um, just chit chat, whatever the case may be. And 
uh, since I was never really a phone person, I'm not going to do a whole lot of calling, talking, and chatting. I select people that I do that with. Everybody else is I call, say what I need to say, and get off the phone. But these people are calling, just trying to be friend or whatever, and automatically I'm on alert. So why are you calling me? I won't ask them that. I'm going to play around and, and go along and see what it is they're look, they're fishing for. And in the process of them trying to pick me, I'm picking them. And so I learned you're sitting here and you're trying to keep tabs on when my cycle is. Why are you trying to keep tabs on my cycle? So that you can know when to turn stuff up because, you know, some people do, but, you know, the cycle's off limits. The Bible says you're unclean um, during that time. And I don't care what the Bible says, you are unclean to me. So, you know, there's a time that's off limits, but the other times you're okay. And so what I put into it was those were the times that they knew when to turn up the heat so that to keep the intimacy down during those times. And so it's just insane to the point you want to keep tabs on the wife cycle and know when she's on so you'll know when they're going to do something intimate. And Let me ask you also, do you think, well, I mean, you know this in hindsight, but do you think that they wanted to keep tabs on your cycle so that they can know when to try to send somebody to him to work on him that way? Was that ever an issue where they would send someone to him to tempt him or to, to befriend him at this time and work on him in that way also? Well, you know, I didn't think about it like that just because I knew they were doing that anyway. Whether I was on my cycle or not, he was being, women were being thrown at him. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, I mentioned yeah. Yeah. They were calling various hours, and he'd been given a new assignment to be the person to receive the calls from all these random new female members when they had issues. Now we've got three leading, three past, three female, excuse me, associate pastors. They're not the ones these random women are supposed to call. They're supposed to call my husband. And um, thankfully, you know, he would take the calls. And he would not get up in the middle of the night and go do whatever it was they wanted to do. But just the mere fact of having the interruption of some random woman calling, we're laying, watching TV, and, and who the heck is this? I don't know who this woman is. Why is she calling here at 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning? You know, those are off-limits times. For us, you know, we had um, what you basically would call family time. And so we were pretty much shut down. We didn't turn the phones off, but... After a certain, certain time, don't call us for, for nothing unless it's emergency, pretty much, um, because that was dedicated family time. We were out during the day. We're hitting it. We're doing whatever it is we're doing. And from, from this block to this block is, is family, whether it's me, him, the kids, me and him alone, him and the kids, me and the kids, whomever. But that was designated for family. And so um, we would get the calls from these people. And then I got to go figure out who the heck is this woman calling, you know. Oh, she's somebody from the church. Okay, and that doesn't mean anything to me at this point. Um, and, you know, kind of fish around and, all right. And, and as, as it turns out, one woman I remember specifically cussed him out by text because he wouldn't get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, about 2-something, and go pick her up and take her somewhere that she needed to go. She was having some kind of argument with the people she was living with, and they put her out, and she called him and, um, he responded back, I'm not disrespecting my wife like that. You know, you just don't have to wait till the morning. And, oh, she blessed him out real good. And so, of course, you know, I needed, I made it a point to find out who she was because he was just honest. He said, it's disrespectful and I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm not coming out of my bed. 
out of, you know, get up for my wife to come pick you up to go do X, Y, Z. That's to show you the disrespect Turns out that woman, people. This is really something. It, well, it's the very disrespect. disrespectful, and it comes from the top down. Yes. Because the top has said it's okay to do it. And the top has said, because um, I questioned the top, and I said, well, didn't you think it was something that we should have discussed or you could at least communicate with me and say, hey, this is an area I'd like to put him in. Are you guys straight to where, you know, this is something you can handle, you're okay with, et cetera, et cetera. None of that. Just this is your duty. This is one of your godly missions. And, you know, it's when we use God, when we keep saying God wants you to do this, God is telling me this, God is telling me that all of us want to be in right standing with our creator, whomever that may be. God, Allah, Jehovah, uh, Yahweh, universal God, whomever it is, we all want to be in right standing. We want to please him, her, whatever, you know, whomever that may be. And so this church knows to say, God is telling me this, God says this, et cetera. And so the people, okay, well, you know what? I might not be happy about it, but if this is what God wants me to do, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And so they'll make the sacrifice because they feel like this is really coming from God. And if you're, uh, and, and I'm not to say that my husband is a weak man because inherently he's not a weak man. He's in a vulnerable state, and so they're taking advantage of it. And um, it just, you know, it, I know it created conflict for us. Right, I right. I know and, the and we, other two we all couples can be I'm weakened. talking about, it created conflict for them. Mm -hmm. Right, we all can be weakened. The strongest of us can be weakened and do have times when we are weaker than normal. doesn't mean we are weak, you see? It's right. just that these people sit out there and try to time you and catch you. You know, I just recently had a dear brother, dear friend of mine, um, he took a tremendous loss. Again, I'm not going to put his business out there, but he took a tremendous loss of, of, of family life. And, um, you know, I got right to it. I said, hey, man, this is the time you're going to have to keep your guard up the most. Because when you are in a weakened state, here they come. And you don't know it's who they come are. from every direction. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow. Wow. Oh, my, my condolence is definitely for that. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I experienced at that particular church. That's me directly. Um, just the intent, it, the, the intent overall was to create, um, a starved environment sexually or an, an inadequate environment to give him reason to look elsewhere or to give him, um, vulnerability so that when elsewhere came knocking at his door, he was, you know, easier to be tempted, so to speak. And um, like I said, the secretary is who they had him. They decided that he should be married to and had started telling her, that's your husband, that's your husband, that's your husband. Um, and we're still married. But, um, yeah, that's that's what they'd been telling her. And, and so she was the one that they'd have call and we need this done. We need that done. And she wasn't always, but that's what has started to happen. And I'm noticing she's calling more. Okay, well, why is she calling? Why so-and-so can't call her? Why? Well, you know, it's church business. And when I share with him, I don't think so. I think there's another motive. No, 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 no. Eventually, after a while, he finally admits. He's like, well, you know what? You may be right. So he never tells me what was said exactly or what move was made, but he finally acknowledged, wait a minute, you're right. There may be some more to certain people calling me. And so, um, and then when the church realized that he and I were, 
I was finally getting through to him. You know, they turn it up, turn up the heat a little bit more, and uh, just just try to help usher in the separation as quickly as possible. I'd even had him, uh, one of the pastors, call him and say, "This particular woman needed some money," and no, no, how did how was it worded? They they were helping her with her finances because she doesn't have, have handle finances well. And they divvy up her money. She gets her check and she gives it to the church and the church divvies up and gives her money weekly. And so this particular pastor wasn't in position to get her some money that she needed. So my husband was the one asked to go send her, get her the money, and they'd give it back to him. Well, I know what that always means. Every time they ask for something like that, the money doesn't come back. So in essence, you've got this man married, giving money to a woman that you're grooming to be his wife as soon as you get rid of the current wife because you can control this woman. This woman is controlled hook, line, and sinker. And when it's all said and done, the money never comes back. And, uh, you know, we kind of, there's some words about it, whatever the case may be. Um, But foundationally, when we went into the relationship, we went in knowing that both of us are giving people. And so we get calls with people in being in need, and we're there to, okay, you need $100 or your license is suspended, you need $300 to get it all squared away or, you know, whatever the case may be. We've been doing that since we first started dating. So there was some kind of wiggle room with that, and the church knew that, um, not because it was broadcast, but because different people had had to rely upon us for different things. Um, and so the word kind of got around that. You know, we were or um, beneficial, if you will, to, to certain people, benevolent, if you will. And so they were kind of banking on that, capitalizing on that. And I just said, wait a minute, that, that doesn't feel too good to me. I, I don't know if I like that. She's off limits. We can't give her no money because they're trying to wiggle her in. And any contact with you is a way to keep a bond or build a bond with her. It's a stickler. Somebody at the church opens a Facebook group or they what is it like being a good wife or, or so it's something about being a good wife, but it's if you're a current wife or your desire to be a wife. So teaching you how to, you know, grooming you to be a good wife. And I was invited, I was added into the group. Okay, fine. So, you know, we'll talk with some other women and see whatever it is I'm missing so I can get my points, you know, my pointers and, you know, have a 75 year anniversary. And then I look and I see this girl has been invited into the group. I'm like, wait a minute, why are y'all putting this woman in the same group? And then it hits me, no, it should not be married women along with single women. Single women need to have a separate group because they're actually at a different phase in the process than us married women. And so they didn't necessarily agree with it, and they chose just to remove me from the group and leave her in it, Um, which is all good, which is all good because, you know, the character shows uh my husband is not, my marriage is not the first marriage where she laid up with a married man. I'll put it that way. And the church is fully aware of this. She was used to break up another marriage. And when that marriage was broken up and you know, they got all that they can get, she's single. And now my husband's the target. And so she's been turned on to him. And um, that's what they do. At this particular church, that's what they do. They have people in place who are used to seduce others, to help manipulate others, 
Um, I've talked before about how they assign different leaders to you to watch you, to keep tabs on you, everything you do, and report back because they have a mission. And I'm comfortable at this point in saying the mission is not to get people healed and whole from whatever their life hangups are so that they can become better people and live their best lives, whether it's biblical or not. The mission is to get whatever resources they, they can from people to exploit those resources and live comfortably selling religion, not um, spirituality, not a relationship with God, but selling religion as they dictate what it should be. That's their, their mission. And, and um, I just recommend don't nobody go to church. As far as I'm concerned, it needs to be shut down. I did um, actually talk with, I'll put it this way. When I started visiting other churches, Apparently, there is some anointing that's on me. I can't see it. You know, we can never see the good in us. It always takes someone else to see it. And so as I'm visiting, other pastors would say to me, you know, I can see the anointing on you, all of this. You know, they say what they say. But then it also bring up, but there's some negativity. And one after another would bring up something having to do with my old church and my marriage being a target. These are churches, some of them I had never walked into before. Uh, one or two of them I had been to before, so they knew the players involved. Wow. But when you go to a church that you've never been to, and the pastor can talk about, and I can see where you are um, in God, in, in the faith, et cetera, et cetera. But I can also see you're coming up under attack. And, you know, it's somehow related to your old church. It's uh, and they want your marriage. They don't want you all together. Um, I've been told uh, pretty much from the time, how did he word it? From the time y'all went public and told everyone that y'all were married, they started going to work then to destroy the marriage. And I was like, wow. And he said, they never even gave your marriage a chance. Y'all had a better chance as long as you stayed private. And as soon as you went public, they started putting stuff in place to destroy the marriage. Um, even to the point of praying, I mean, having group prayer to destroy the marriage. To the point, biblically, some of the manipulative tools have, would be called witchcraft. So the point of using witchcraft, which, you know, has been confirmed by three members or one, well, three former members. They're all former members now. Of that church. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're using witchcraft, and they're using it on his mind because they know it won't work on you. They know you know what's going on, so it's not going to work on you. I had one member, former member, say to me, bottom line, they are doing everything they can to make you negative in his eyes. They want him, when he looks at you, to just be repulsed and disgusted to where y'all will eventually break up. And I remember asking this person, I said, well, what, what's the objective? What's the goal? How do you create this kind of havoc in someone's life? And the person said to me, they want the money. They want the money that he's getting in the lawsuit that's going to come from his the most recent wreck. Because, again, we're talking multi-millions of the numbers that are tossing around. I'm like, wow, you were destroying someone's marriage, a godly covenant. You're supposed to all be pastors for money. So that tells me you're serving a different God. 
And all of my thoughts and suspicions about y'all all along have just been confirmed. Because you don't have a concern for him, mm-hmm. for his well-being. You That's don't right. have a concern for what's best for him. You sure don't have a concern for me. And I'll take it as you damn sure don't have a concern for the kids involved. All you see is potential money coming down the lines whenever that lawsuit does what it does. Wow. And so those are the kinds of things that make me speak out. Um, because I don't agree with, with hurting people for money. You know, I don't agree with sleeping with people for money. I don't agree with anything inappropriate, uh, questionable, unethical for a dollar. Because that dollar, first of all, doesn't have the value that it used to have. And what it does have now is going to be gone real soon. Gold's going to take over. But the dollar's going to go away. You're going to get it and you're going to spend it. And then what? And then you have to go create havoc in somebody else's life for another dollar. If you want it that bad, you stand on the pole and make your dollar. Don't upset somebody else's life and what they work for just to get a dollar. So (laughs) um, that's. That's that. That's the gist of it as far as the, the, the sex and intimacy goes. It, it is strategic, um, and it, there's, there's usually a goal. And, um, and that's one of the things that happens from my understanding and researching of cults. One of the things they do is they try to pull whichever the target is, whomever is the weakest of the spouses, um, that's who they work on. And they do whatever they can to pull them away. And if it means keeping them so busy to where they don't have time to think about their spouse or keeping them or inundating them with so much time and and talk and conversation to where when they get in, they're already talked out. So they don't have too much to talk about because they've talked everything else during the day with some church member who's been put in position to receive this information and store it for when they're going to when and how they're going to use it. And that's what cults do. That's that's one of the definitions of a cult, um, because we all know, bottom line, if someone is sex-deprived, male or female, whatever their threshold may be, some guys, y'all ain't for six hours, some of y'all are six days, six weeks, whatever the threshold is, when you get to that threshold, you're going to, you know, you're going to fall weak to whatever's in front of you. And women, same thing, same thing. It just depends on where you are emotionally. Um and they look for those thresholds, and they try to tax them out and tax them out and take advantage of them. That's it. This particular church I know, and according to the definitions of cults, that's uh, – and it's just sad. It's sad that, you know, people will go to those extremes or go to the length of getting in bed with the devil, basically. Because mm-hmm. when you're looking at witchcraft, you're looking at sorcery, you're looking at Oh, and I didn't say one of the pastors at, I can't remember the name of this church, Tower something. Um, someone had been recommending that I visit there, someone that I knew. Mm-hmm. Actually, the person that recommended it had come to the home to pick up. I had a gathering for the kids, and they mm-hmm. came to pick up their child, and they came in, and they could sense something. And, and I was dealing with it, but I hadn't shared it with anyone, and so they asked for the opportunity to speak and I gave them the opportunity to speak and they just confirmed all of the stuff that I was already knowing is going on but it's like who do you share it with and so we talked about it and they invited me to their church and so we did it some months later we finally went 
and walk in there and uh, they actually had a visiting pastor that day. And that visiting pastor called me up and started speaking and said, bottom line, you're going through some stuff. I can see it and, and it's coming for your marriage. And then he said, wait a minute, stop. And I wish I had it recorded because those were his words. He said, wait a minute, stop. I curse the witches, the two women witches that brought it to your door for you to walk over. So, wow, I looked at my kids and I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. Now, at this point, husband and I are not going to church every Sunday. We're now split. They're dragging him back there and we agreed to two Sundays, two Sundays, because they say they need him to help mm-hmm. with them and administrative and stuff. And so we right. alternate. But when it's my Sunday for us to come with, for him to come with us, they're calling him all through the service. They need this. They need that. Can't find this. Can't find that. Or Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, they'll call and say, well, can you switch because for whatever reason. So if we had Sunday planned a particular something, then we've got to reroute, and then he's still not with us that Sunday because he's there, and we'll, we'll, you know, he'll give us the next Sunday type of thing. And those were just little games that they were playing. And, and again, so he's vulnerable. He can't see it. He saw he started to eventually see it, but truth be told, by then, they, they, they've got him sucked in pretty good. And from what I understand with the cults, once they get your mind, you have to go through a deprogramming process. If you don't go through deprogramming, they will always have control of your mind. Um, and even if you do leave, they will still be able to implore the whatever the tactic is to 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 jump back in the forefront and have control again kind of you remember the, i don't know did you see that movie get out parts of it i saw the whole thing in separate parts bootleg style but exactly okay i know exactly what you're about to say it's that same kind of concept it's it's so whatever the trigger is and um actually i should have caught it because something was done right in my presence and but at this point, I didn't realize what, realize what was going on. So, um, actually, I'll tell you, we were in a meeting. The, the pastor had called me in, called me and my husband in, and his objective was to try to get me and the kids to rejoin the church. And uh, in that discussion, I shared with him several things that made me question, you know, whether that would be a good move for us as a family, for us spiritually, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, he did ask me, you know, if I felt that he was legitimately a messenger of God and hearing from God, et cetera, et cetera. And I bottom line told him most of the time, no. Most of the time, I think you're operating in your own flesh. And I think, you know, the impact that's happening to people, and it's just unfortunate. And I don't know that I want to get caught up in all of that. I'm trying to get better, not, um, you know, be caught up in. And so I think he was a bit of, well, I don't think, I know he was a bit offended by that. Um. But then during the conversation, well, he'd asked me some specifics, and I was giving him some specifics. And I remember my husband, now before he's totally sucked in, he starts piping in some stuff. And I remember the pastor hushed me, turned around and said something to my husband, and I watched my husband literally shrink down from a man sitting with his shoulders up. He put his head down. He started fidgeting with his hands. His shoulders dropped, and he never said another word the whole meeting. And I thought it was strange, but again, this was early on, and I had no clue of what I was dealing with. 
and it wasn't until I saw the movie Get Out that that snapped right back to me. Um, and I didn't know about the movie. My brother mentioned it, and he's like, well, you might want to watch it because it sounds like there's a lot of similarities with what, you know, you guys been dealing with. And I watched it, and I'm like, wow, this is exactly what happened. He didn't even know they've gotten his mind now. And they were able to shut him down just like that and re and, and introduce or bring up the person that they wanted him to be. And so, um, yeah, yeah, that's that's what cults do. And I think that's the bulk of the sex part of it, pretty much. That, yes. uh, that's a lot. They'll, they'll do whatever they can to, to get in your business. And again, the objective is to do something illicit, whether it's to take advantage of someone sexually, whether it's to take advantage of you spiritually, financially, um, your skills, your talents, whatever it is. There's an illicit purpose to get into the deep, the, the personal sex lives of your members uninvited. There, there is no legitimate reason for that, period. So that's what they did with us. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's had its impact, but I am, thank God, before my husband and I married, as I shared, I'd been on my journey. And my journey um, allowed me to tame my flesh. And so, I was at a, in a period of, of celibacy by choice. Trust me, it was by choice because I saw some, some cute stuff, but I had to remember, you know, I'm on a journey here and I can't <laughs> get off just for one night of, you know, you know, hey. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, and my brother and I would laugh about it all the time. He'd, he'd kind of see me with some guys or might go out on a date or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, nah, mm -mm. no, I'm, I'm stead where I am. This is just a date. That's all it is. I'm staying on track with what I'm doing. And so um, I am there. It, it doesn't take much for me to get there. Uh, it, it's because it's for me, it's mental. For women, it's definitely mental. Uh, for men, not as much. I think they can, but it takes them a little longer to, to kind of make it mental. And my husband is definitely not right. there. Um, and especially now with his brain being kind of off a little bit. He's Understood. not there, and he's not being fed a desire to be there. He's being fed a desire to feed his flesh. You need this. You need a woman that's going to stand on the pole, eat up a cat, uh, let a dog into her, all <laughs> kinds of craziness. Exactly. And um, this is what's being put in his head. And uh, just, just, just perverting sex, perverting sex and perverting marital sex to the point where you know I ain't going for that. I mean, no, ain't no four-leggers. All the dogs in this house go in the other room. Um, no, nobody needs to be in the bedroom watching and none of that. Y'all need to be out, locked up in your kennels or whatever the case may be. So when those kinds of things are being introduced and, you know, the, the spouse is toying with it, like maybe we should try this. And I'm not saying that was what was tried, but I'm, it's to that level of, of craziness. Hey, wait a minute. Where are you getting this from? And, you know, you've got your pastors who are sitting here telling you, well, a wife should be willing to do anything that you request of her. Well, you know what? The whole time we were together, we never discussed this. It's never come up. And, well, let me question it. Let me clarify that. We very clearly said what the boundaries were. And this was not within the boundaries. 
and so you were happy how do we get, with what was in the boundaries. Exactly. So and how see, do we get on the other side of these boundaries and all of a sudden this is critical, this is a need you must have. If, you're, if you don't have it, you're not satisfied. And if, and if you hmm. catch it early enough, you have to catch it like a cancer and you have to nip it in the bud and you have to make both parties understand where it came from. And this is one of the dangers of messing with porn. And, and, and th this is the dangers of talking with other people who have a different spirit and a different mind than us. You see, because they will casually in, in conversation drop a little seed and see the seed can be dropped and you don't notice it because what sprouts from that seed doesn't come to fruition immediately. You walk around with the seed it's in your head, you're toying with it and everything that somebody comes with is the product of, of a thought, a thought that was there well planted for a while. So things mm -hmm. are bombarding our mind. And like you said, with women, it's 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 more mental and, of course, definitely emotional. But with men, we're, we're visual, and many men feel as though they haven't gotten enough experiences. They feel as though they're deficient in experiences. So it's easy to pull them that way. We're very visual, and as you well know, there are a lot of visual, good-looking delights that are hanging around us, and it takes a strong man to be able to look past those things and understand you don't want to lose your salvation just for this one night. You don't want to lose what you've built up just for this one, because you know what? There have been times in my personal life in the past where I've been there and it's like, wait a second. I'm like, a defl I took so long to blow this balloon up. And now in just one little, little pinprick, it's all deflated and you feel bad. And then you got to start all over again. Yep. Exactly. That's, you know what? It's like an addict when they reach the number of days of sobriety and they fall off the wagon and they got to start all over again. You see, that's a good analogy, too, because it's sweeter. If, if, if you like chocolate cake and you told me that was your favorite cake and I told you, OK, you're going to eat chocolate cake every day for the next month. Trust me, after a couple of days, you're going to be sick of chocolate cake. God, it's but, chocolate cake. Uh -huh. Right. But if I keep you from it for a couple of years, when you get that piece back again, it's the sweetest piece. And so that's why mm -hmm. most addicts are most vulnerable when they get out of the rehab, when they get out of the program. That's when you have to watch them the most because the fall is harder and what they've indulged in was even sweeter. And that goes for a sex addict or one who is made to be that, you see, and they work up your mind. And it's a shame because I've always noticed, and I'm going to shut my mouth, you know, I've always noticed that in the black church, there was an undertone, lots of undertones of sexuality. There was subtle things from a kid. I noticed this It's like, there's something wrong going on. There's a, there was a lot of sex going on. And my little young mind, I didn't know what was flying over my head because I was too young and too inexperienced to understand what's going on. But the glances, the comments, the energies, the little things that you catch, and I catch everything visual anyway, being an artist, right? So mm -hmm. as I got older, I realized when now things came to light where, oh, sister so-and-so was messing with uh, a brother so-and-so and the wife found out and this and this. And this. I said, wait a second, all this was going on? Isn't this supposed to be church? Isn't this like we said, we believe, but it that that in itself, in a sick way, I will say this, that makes it sweeter in a sinful way. Mm -hmm. That makes the indulgence mm -hmm, because it's forbidden. Yes, mm -hmm. it makes it even sweeter. That that there I've heard stories of pastors who have stepped down for a second, maybe use the restroom or somebody else spoke, and he went right in his office with one of the people from you know the congregation. 
and went on and did a quick little act and came back out. That's how bold they can get. And 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 it must have been sinfully sweet for him. Not not the righteous sweet, but the sinful sweet, which is destructive and leaves you void after a while and dead. Wow. Wow. That's 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 well that um this church we got we just left. Um I will say this, and this is a thought that I've had. I Well, I used to live five minutes from the church, first of all. So um, I could come out my subdivision, go down one road, and I'm right in front of the church. And good. <laughs> I would drive by, not intending to drive by the church, but driving just wherever I'm going, Home Depot, Walmart, wherever. And I would see vehicles, usually two vehicles. Or sometimes it would just be one vehicle. And when I see that one vehicle, I would see who's either getting out of the vehicle or who's getting wow. into the vehicle. Wow. And um, wow. so I had access to the church many more hours than most people even thought about. Because during the course of the day, I'm out doing what I've got to do. And I'm, that's my route to go. You know, Home Depot is one of my stores. And so that's one of my routes to get there. And so um, there are times that, there are quite a few times that I saw stuff that would be, you know, just kind of, hmm, what's going on with that? And some of these folk married, and they ain't married to the person that was that they're there with. Uh, well, the lead, the senior pastor, I'll just put it that way. I call it that. <laughs> that I know they're not married to him. And actually, that made me think. Well, wait a minute now. Well, maybe they're in counseling. You know, I know this particular person's got issues in their marriage and et cetera, et cetera, or whatever. And um, so maybe they're counseling. And then I thought about it. Huh. Why are you counseling her privately during the day when everybody's supposed to be at work, et cetera, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And why don't I ever see you here counseling the husband? Mm-hmm. Hmm. A very okay. special kind of counseling. And over time... As things continue, and then when, you know, when I watch it in my marriage, I'm like, huh, you never counseled me. Not one time did you call husband and I in to say, hey, look, y'all got issues. Is sex an issue? Let's talk about it. Or let me refer you to a sex sexologist or somebody to, you know, help you guys deal with that if that's an issue. Never. But you have this psychology background. You've got another person who's a marriage and family therapist supposedly, and never once is there any counseling offered, I know, in my marriage um, to help make sure you guys stay on course or whatever the case may be. But I was going somewhere else with this. I remember we had collected up some monies to build the, well, to build out. We have the physical building for the classrooms, the, the, the learning center, if you will. The building was there. And we needed to go ahead and, and build the classrooms out, put in the interior walls, things like that. Um, and I think this was maybe the second or third time we'd taken up a special collection for that. And it got rerouted to somewhere else. Finally got the loan. Uh, and the loan, what, what they wound up doing with the loan that time was building a completely different end of the church. But... Part of the new build was to take out an office and create a bedroom for the senior pastor, which was adjacent to his office. So, oh my here's God. the visual. <laughs> you could go into the office, 
And the office is off the, the hallway where the cameras are. So you can go into the office for counsel. You can scoot through the restroom. And the restroom was kind of built out a little bit bigger, so it's a full-fledged restroom instead of just a little toilet and a little quick shower area. And then you've got a full bedroom suite in there. And I thought about that, and I'm like, well, hmm, why does he need a bedroom in the church? It just didn't make sense. And uh, one of the elders said to me, well, you know, he's tired from driving. He lives 45 minutes away, et cetera. And I said, well, he doesn't work during the day, so what is he tired from? So well, I know he doesn't work because, you know, I pass by the church, so I know he's not working. And I know he's not always at the church. Um, so, but for those who live an hour away on the other side of town, it's nothing for them to commute back and forth. It's nothing for them to get off work uh, 5 o'clock on Tuesday and have to fight traffic to be down for Bible study Tuesday night or to be there on Sundays exactly. or to be there on Saturdays for Bible college. So why he can't drive 45 minutes up against the flow of traffic, actually. And, you know, why is it that because he's so tired that he can't make that drive? And that's the justification for building him a bedroom inside the church. So, um, you know, it just kind of makes you wonder. And I, and I have to say it that way because I never saw it being used, <laughs> so to speak. But, you know, you just kind of got to wonder why is it necessary? when you still don't have classrooms for your kids to, to have their um, uh, age-appropriate classes broken down and stuff for their for their groups and stuff. But these funds that are collected are spent to assist with building a private bedroom suite. And actually what he did was he took his wife's office and moved her somewhere else and turned her office into the bedroom. Now, he's divorced from her. He he actually was in the process of breaking up with her then, and he's now went ahead and divorced her. Uh, and I don't know if he's public with the new lady or not. I know she was in the church and sitting in the front row and all that kind of stuff, but oh, I don't wow. know how public they've gone with their relationship. But, yeah, this is this is the type of stuff that goes on. So these are the types of things that people should be looking for. Mm-hmm. Before you join a church, don't just sit there for two or three months. It feels good, and, you know, the Lord is speaking to me. Not. If God is speaking to you and telling you to join that church, he's going to tell you again, just sit back and wait. He's going to give you a confirmation, maybe two or three confirmations, uh, and then finally kick you in the butt and tell you to join. So don't go with the first feeling of this is a church. I No, you sit there and you watch it. You watch all these little things that are done, um, all the stuff that's said. Listen to what's not being said. Um, but but that's being um, implied, if you will, uh, before you get caught up in that, because building church relationships, and then you've got your families involved, you've got your children involved, they're starting having friends, and when it's all said and done, if you have to leave there, those are relationships you've got to sever. If it's an unhealthy church, when you leave, you're most likely not leaving under good graces. You may walk away, and if you did not succumb or submit to whatever was going on, you will be defamed, you will be trashed, you will be mud, your name will be mud. Anything negative that can be said about you to um, diminish your character, to uh, discourage people from listening to anything you've got to say will be done. Um, And it is shocking, but, you know, I talked with another 
uh, minister who left there. Um, well, I recently talked with another minister who's left there within the last year and a half or so. And uh, and that person just confirmed it again. They were like, well, you know, Sister Brenda, we've all had every one of us that left. We have to go through being defamed and shamed and torn down, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it's just, it's unhealthy. And, and you know, we, he went into some more details and stuff. And he said, bottom line, he left because his marriage was under fire. And he left with the intent to try to save his marriage. Mm-hmm. Another couple left with the intent to try to save their marriage. And this is within the last two years. So I've got two couples in the last two years that I have personally spoken to who said same thing. Um, because, again, one's being taxed. If one of, And it's usually the spouse, the wife, that has decided, no, uh-uh, what's going on is not right, et cetera, et cetera. And so, but you've got the man's mind because you've got him in the office with you. You've made him your armor bearer. You've given him titles. You've pumped him up, pumped him up that he's all of that. And then you start telling him how his wife should be treated. And if wife ain't going for that, if that wasn't part of the agreement when she said, I do, then there's a conflict. Mm-hmm. And so um, just this need to control. Um, and sadly, that control, is it's abuse. It's spiritual abuse. And oftentimes when they're doing these things, what winds up happening is abuse starts happening in the home. Whoever the, the weaker spouse is, the one who's been targeted, they become abusive at home, not because they want to and not because that's who they were before, but now they've been introduced to a new way of life. They don't even know it. Their minds are, are now thinking differently. Good way. And so they'll come in and they'll be rude and nasty and verbally abusive. And in some cases, unfortunately, it gets to physical abuse. Um, and that's so important because I speak out a lot about domestic violence and abuse just because that's one of the things that's near and dear to me. And October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so I don't know if you follow me on Facebook or not, but I've been posting mm-hmm. um, and Twitter and Instagram and all of them about awareness and, and just this whole Me Too movement of sexual assault. Well, yes. there are a lot of women and men, too, who are enduring abuse. And again, if a church is not where you can go to get help for these things, to get um, relief, to get an out, a safe place to unpackage all of that, it sure shouldn't be the place to give it to you. It should not be the place to help mm-hmm. encourage it. It should not be the place that helps us spread those demons, if you will. If you look at it from a good versus evil or God versus Satan, those are all demons. And you should not be walking up in there getting these demons thrown on you to transfer into another household. But, you know, that's that's... I'm just me, and I've not um, concluded or, yeah, I did not conclude their Bible college, so I have no um, authority to speak on that. Although I would say Dallas Theological Seminary, probably their their school probably carries a little bit more weight than the Bible college at this little independent church. Um, and my training at Dallas Theological Seminary tells me, that what's going on in that church is wrong. What's going on in that church is not godly. Um, The pastor and everybody else, you can call them reprobate, whatever title you want to give them, but it ain't godly. And then if you want to get the church out of it totally, it's just common sense just says, 
You got two people married, you ain't got no business in their marriage, period. I don't care who you are. Mama, get out. Daddy, get out. Auntie, uncles, cousins, dog, cat, everybody, get out the marriage. Allow them to be married. Allow them to work out their issues and stop planting seeds in the ear of one or the other Mm -hmm. for your own personal gain, your own personal purposes. So, but you already know I'm one of those I highly believe in respecting marriages. And that's, again, because I was in a marriage for 10 years. We were together, my first marriage. And regardless of whether it was like the love of my life and soulmate and all of that, we respected the fact that we were married. My husband never, never, well, that's not true. The first year or so, yeah, he was listening to all the mamas and the aunties and all them other people in his, no, baby, we we got to leave and cleave. And so when we kind of went through that phase, you couldn't step to him about anything about our household. You couldn't step to me anything about our household. What we did wrong was between us. We chose to do what we did wrong. No one came to him and said, hey, look, um, your wife is ugly or your wife is this or whatever, and so I need to do this. Or no one came to me and said, your husband's not meeting this need, so let me help. Mm -mm, None of that, because that door was closed. And uh, we're not getting that today. At least I know at that church we're not getting that. What, What they're getting at that church is I am the senior pastor. I have direct connection with God. He talks to me. He shares stuff with me. He gives me prophetic word for you. And if you don't want to hear it, then you just have to suffer the consequences of not being obedient to what God is saying. Um, And God is telling me that's your wife. This is your job. This is where you should move to. This is how you should spend your time, et cetera, et cetera. This is how you should spend your money. It's That's what they're getting at that place. Or we're getting. I don't know what they're getting next. I haven't been there in a while, about a year or so, a little over a year. But that's what they were getting. I know that's what I got when I was there. Uh, but, you know, I'm a strong thinker. or try to be a strong thinker. And Spellman did that for me. Well, that if you they are. They did nothing else. <laughs> they, were de- they were worth their $30,000 a year. Because You know what I think? They, I think you already were a strong thinker, but they may have helped you to hone into what you already had. Because I'm just of the belief that if you don't have it, nobody can put it inside of you. Um, when you speak, hmm. how, how how you resonate, and what I feel from you, it, it's just a strength. And yes, we can all be strong and weakened at certain points, and that's all of us have been there. But there's a certain. Let me tell you something. I know you piss people off with your presence. Let's just cut the chase. You walk into a church, people see you now. They see your strength. Not even just the church, but in just everyday life, the clarity mm-hmm. of how you speak, the focus and the drive, and how sure you are of what you've been through and the facts. They don't like it because there's no way in to fool you, you know? Is that what it is? Okay. I, I believe so. <laughs> look, 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 even demons have the spirit, uh, um, um, the gift of discernment. A discernment. They depend, mm-hmm. they depend on You're it right. even more. They have to. They're dark creatures. They have to. They have nothing else. They have to depend on that. So when they discern your spirit and look at you and, and can see you not just on the physical, but on the mental and the spiritual and all these different planes that we can't comprehend, most of us on this level and don't want to, they say, oh, man, this is a tough cookie to crack. We can't even crack this cookie. You're right there. A demon sees you. I'm speaking on all levels when I say demonic or a demon. You go after them. 
You say, hi, demon. How you doing? I know who you are. Try if you want. It's not going to work. <laughs> I'm saying that's the mm-hmm. way, you know, you, you, you strike yeah. me. Yeah. You, and you're not playing yeah. with them. And see, it happens to me in my life also, especially with racism and stuff. You know, I'm driving the bus and you have this person who has an attitude. And I say, listen, I know who you are. I've been dealing with you all my life and I've never been defeated. Carry on. Let's do the business. But understand, I'm not the one. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you already know. You're being racial. Uh-huh. You understand where it's coming from. I didn't even say that. Mm. So they know. There's a lot of nonverbal communication going on on the spiritual level. When we glance a person in their eyes and we lock a gaze with them and download some of their information. You already know. You can feel their spirit. You can look them in their eyes and download. This is why when you have this iPhone and you look into it for facial recognition, it's really for the eyes. There's something about those eyes that are so powerful that you can activate an electronic gadget. If you can do that, what about human-to-human contact? We can lock eyes. Mm -hmm. This is why I don't give everybody eye contact. I'm not afraid of them, but they're not getting a a test shot to see my charge. You see what I mean? Those who I want to. The eyes are the key to the soul. Exactly. You look a dog who has bit up everybody up and down the block, and he got out of the gate, and you're walking down the street, and he's coming for you, and you look at him. And he turns around and goes right back in that gate. He'll close it if he could. And he watches you go down the block. It's in the animal kingdom. It's with us. That's why Mm -hmm. you make sure you keep yourself right and your battery charged because they see your charge like a cell phone. If it's 100%, they see it. If it's 13%, oh, we got one here. She's on her way out. She's weak. Life is beating her down. Mm -hmm. She don't know how to deal with it. Don't let me start rambling. Go ahead, sister. And I know the time is running down for the both of us. So I want you to um, bring it down to a smooth landing because we, we, we've agreed ahead of time that, you know, time was going to be an issue, but it's no problem because this was powerful also. But, but continue on for a few more, and, and I'll let you polish it up nice. Well, that being said, um, the biggest takeaways and, and my, my, um, one of my philosophies is that all experiences, everything that you, um, all interactions, uh, have a takeaway, something you're supposed to take away and the other person is supposed to take away. So I would say the biggest takeaway from this, again, would be to pay attention to not just your pastor, but your leaders, because this can also, you know, we, we can stretch this same thing into a classroom. Anyone that has a hierarchical hierarchical authority over you in any way has the power to influence you, and they can influence you for their purposes or, you know, which may not be to your best interest, or it could be to your best interest. We're speaking specifically about the church, and and I'm speaking about my experience. So I will say that if you're attending that church or you're visiting, you want to be prayed up, you want to have your walls up, whatever the sayings you've got to say to put that hedge of protection around you before you walk in there, because those demons are strong, and they're very... um organized very very organized uh and and i know it's not just there it's at other churches as well and they're going to come at every direction they're going to love bomb they're going to do everything they can to get on your good side and from day one of the from day one they are fishing they are on the prowl because reality is just like a drug addict they have a habit to feed and their habit is a home a car travel, jewelry, dinners out, certain clothes, that's their habit. And they've got to feed it. 
and they're going to feed it using you. So we just need to be mindful of those things so that we don't get sucked in. And before we know it, we've got our lives turned topsy-turvy and our kids are in chaos, our homes are in chaos, our lives are in chaos. Mm-hmm. And they're still laughing all the way to the airport because they're going back to Nigeria for another visit <laughs> and get some more demons to bring back. <laughs> so on point. <laughs> so that's, I guess that would be my advice. Just be very mindful of, of those who are, who are in leadership over you. And I think it was said, um, do you remember the three monkeys, hear no evil, see no evil, do mm-hmm. no evil? Mm-hmm. Be mindful of what you let into your eye gates. Right. Be mindful of what you let into your ear gates and definitely be mindful of what you, you know, let into your home and into your cookie box and all that other stuff. But hearing and don't the scientists say that the hearing is the last thing to go before you transition? And babies, that's one of the first things they acquire when they first come here is their hearing. Mm -hmm. So hearing's got to be important if it's the first and the last. Mm -hmm. We got to be mindful of what we're letting into our ears, what we're allowing, because as you said, stuff comes, the thoughts are there. Every deed that we do has started, has begun with a thought at some point. And that thought came somehow, whether it just, you know, manifested in you by itself Mm-hmm. or whether more often than not it was planted in some way might have been six months ago six years ago if it's demonic it might have been planted from the day you were two years old and it sat and it waited and waited and waited until it was time to start growing so those are things we want to keep in mind because sadly enough in this day and age just about everybody has a purpose or motive in why they interact with you and oftentimes it's not for your best interest and that's my, I think, my spill on on that, uh, on the Living Word Faith Center and their interaction into people's sex lives and marriages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's like the tip of the iceberg, but I'm glad we had a chance to touch on it on an overview level because each particular attack and each particular uh, uh, tactic that they use in seducing and attacking, you know, needs to be detailed. Because hell is vast and evil is vast. We minimize it and, you know, say, get thee behind me, Satan, and all this stuff. But we are nothing without the creator behind us, you see. So we can go nana and nana all we want. But if we think we can fight the battle by ourselves, we're sadly mistaken. So we need to know these things. And it is a war. It's not just a matter of grabbing a few scriptures and throwing it out to the universe. We need to know the tactics of the enemy Mm -mm. so that we can protect ourselves on all levels. And there's nothing that they will not do. I mean, you illustrated that so clearly, and it can get even worse. I've had personal experiences. I've learned from other people's experiences. And I can truthfully say that what you're saying is right on par with how the negative forces of the world work. And I thank you so much. I thank you so much. This helps somebody. You're so very welcome. Mm -hmm. And if anybody (laughs) have questions. um... Yes. Offline, then I think we have the chat thing set up or whatever, yes. or they can um get with you and then yeah, get, get uh, with me. Especially if they're going through some stuff, right? Right. I'm more than willing to talk with them, you know, over the phone or whatever the case may be. Share with them some of the prayers, obviously, and then Beautiful. um if they're unsure and, about some stuff, help them just, to kind of see. Mm-hmm. Let me just give out the number again: four zero seven five nine zero zero seven five five. That's my personal cell number. Uh, you can call me when I'm driving the bus. I can't hear it because it's off. 
text me that gets through better. You can send long texts. You can send long emails to scurvemedia at gmail.com. That's S-C-U-R-V media, M-E-D-I-A at gmail.com. Everything will be in the section below. All the contact information is e I'm so easy to reach and accessible. You can you can even write a nice long email. I will forward it to our sister. Um, you could send me a text and, and, and we can forward your information to her. And um, like I said, we'll strain out anybody who has wayward uh, 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 approaches because <laughs> there's a lot of that going on out here, even after hearing what you had to say, because um, it's all business. Mm. Here. We're all about helping people and being real. We have no time to play. So reach out to me. My numbers and all my stuff is out there. And I'll make sure that you get a chance to speak with Sister Gail Carter and um, her powerful ministry. And I'll call it a ministry because it's the real deal. This other fake stuff out here is a ripoff. You see? So anyway, sweetheart, you enjoy the rest of your day. Um, it's funny that we both had to hit the same kind of destination. I just came from one and you're going to go to one. And um, it's that kind of thing. And reach out to me anytime, even if it's for 15 minutes or 15 hours. I don't care. I love your flow. And we all here love it, too. And like I said, right, that plate of food's going to be waiting for you when you come to Orlando. I'm com- told you I'm coming. Actually, we might because uh, it came up about possibly trying to roll that way. Uh, for Thanksgiving, so okay, we're okay. still kind of playing with the schedule and stuff. Uh, hopefully, if I can get my truck out the shop, or I'll tell you, they gave me the top of the line, brand spanking new 2019 loaner while my truck is in there. I'm hoping my truck stayed in there for another two months because it's just the <laughs> <Right. laughs> I'd love to see it parked in this driveway, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bring the family. All right, then. And yes, we'll talk, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, then. Bye. Bye. Make sure to check out the boldest blog at landscurve.com and follow Scurve on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube under Lance Scurve.